When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in Thursday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are live in Washington, D.C. at our affiliate Freedom 104.7. Appreciate all of you who are listening in the D.C. area and around the nation and around the world on our 500 some odd affiliate stations as well as so many of you downloading the podcast we appreciate all of you we got a lot of stories to hit for you uh throughout the course of today's program first of all senator josh Hawley will join us in studio here in dc to talk about the issues that are currently underway we got a bunch of breaking news that i want to hit off the top here buck um it appears that they're essentially going to give up on trying to elect a house speaker uh and they are going to keep the interim speaker in place, McHenry, and he will be in place until January. This is a mess. Let's start with this, Buck, just because we're in D.C. And, and again, this is expected to happen in the next few hours. Jim Jordan couldn't get the votes. Steve Scalise couldn't get the votes. Kevin McCarthy doesn't have the votes. And right now, Jim Jordan will remain speaker designee, uh, meaning that he hopes that sometime in January of 2024, he's going to be able to become the speaker. But the big challenge here is essentially the House speaker negotiates with the White House and an interim House speaker, given the fact that I believe I'm right about this, the budget is not funded past November, doesn't have a lot of chits on the table, so to speak, to be able to negotiate with the Democrats because he doesn't even have the job in earnest. So effectively, we are going to have an interim House speaker for the next couple of next three months, uh, basically. And we'll see what happens after that. It seems like the concern that we had been sharing, that there was no great plan in place for what was supposed to happen next, was a very valid concern. Yes. As in... There, there wasn't, uh, the next steps, uh, the, the next steps were not, um, already laid out and it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot that was intended, that this was intended to accomplish other than oust Kevin McCarthy because they can. And now they'll just have to fight this out at a later date. Effectively, this is like hitting the delay button. It's, just, it's like saying time out. We'll have this president, I mean, the uh, speaker pro temp. And then we'll see what happens. I think the way to analyze this, Buck, is there's about eight to ten people that did not like Kevin McCarthy. And there's at least eight to ten, if not ten to twenty, that were so angry over the way Kevin McCarthy was removed that they refused to support anyone else. And so I don't know how the logjam gets resolved. My concern, and this continues to be my concern as we move into 24, is that we could end up in a situation where 
effectively there end up being like 20 Republicans who pick a moderate Republican and go in cahoots with the Democrats on some sort of power sharing move. Because there's, I, I think the number buck is there's 18 Republicans who represent districts that Joe Biden won in yes. 2020. And so I understand people out there who say, oh, uh, well, we, we need a speaker on the right side. You and I both want Jim Jordan to be speaker. But the closer we get to 2024, and now they're talking about making a decision in January, and again, remember, it's only like a six-month or seven-month speakership because by the summer they're all going to be off uh, into the campaign season. I can see those moderate Republicans who are trying to get reelected and stay in power deciding that they want to go with somebody much more moderate to try not to rock the boat too much. So it's basically going to go to January now. We don't know what's going to happen. And at that point, we'll be even deeper into the election cycle, which means – that the role of any speaker would be effectively a caretaker and and electioneering of some kind. I mean, trying to help Republicans get a larger majority in the House will be absolutely essential. You see Nancy Pelosi taking a little victory lap here. This is cut 20 over Jim Jordan, our buddy Jim, not being the speaker. Nancy couldn't help herself play it. I think uh, it was a triumph for democracy in our country that an insurrection was, was rejected by the Republicans again as their candidate for speaker. We've always wished winning party well as they choose their leader. I've never in the decades that I've been here, when we've had a, a speaker's race on our side or their side, we've always respected each other's judgment. But today and yesterday, that, that was an assault on our democracy as Jim Jordan assaulted our democracy on January 6th. Oh, well, why, why is Jim Jordan an insurrectionist? What, what, because what he supported Trump. No, I, I know, but I mean, come I mean, on. They're, this they're is... going, and, and on the same day, by the way, that there were uh, Palestinian supporters, Hamas supporters, who took over the Capitol, and they had to arrest some of them after Rashida. We'll play that audio for you. After Rashida Tlaib continued to spread the lie, things have gotten so bad in D.C., Buck, that this morning while we were waiting to come to do the show, I actually found myself reading John Fetterman's Twitter account. And, and pretty reasonable on the I, Israeli issue you're telling me? Yes. I, couldn't, I see Clay in the hotel lobby, and he's like, you're not going to believe this. Fetterman is making sense Fetterman, on Israel. Why don't I think, you, why don't you I read think what we, this is? I, well, I'll read the tweet, but I think we even have him speaking, and he can barely speak. Cut 16. Here's what he tweeted. It's truly disturbing that members of Congress rush to blame Israel for the hospital tragedy in Gaza. Who would take the word of a group that just massacred innocent Israeli civilians over our key ally. And I read that and I was like, is this a Fetterman parody account? Because it makes so much sense. And I don't know how well he said it, but on cut 16 here, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe in the recorded history of Clay and Buck. This is the first time we've ever said anything positive about John Fetterman. So I, you are high fiving Fetterman right now. This this is is what is going on. How broken DC has become this morning. Swampy. This morning I'm sitting downstairs in the hotel lobby and I'm like, you know, this guy Fetterman, he's, he's actually making a good point. Here's cut 16. I'm always going to stand on the side of Israel, always. And now it's be, you know, it's clear that Israel was not responsible for the bombing at the, the hospital, and it's tragic that hundreds of, of innocent civilians were killed. And it was done by the same side that butchered innocent uh, Israeli citizens over in, in Israel last week. And I don't know how you can get more despicable than they already are. To now they're trying to blame Israel on that to inflame tensions uh, all there as well too. And I'm I'm proud that the president visited there, and I'm going to stand with President Biden. And I'm going to stand with Israel, and I look forward to voting for whatever they need, military, intelligence, or humanitarian aid. Okay, I don't know what... This is dogs and cats living together, (laughs) mass hysteria. This is crazy. Fetterman speaking cogently, uh, coherently, and pulling it all together and saying appropriate things uh, about uh, the state of Israel. So there's, there's that happening, which I think was was a little bit of a surprise. But as I've been saying all along, this is why Democrats don't pay a price for the anti-Semitism wing that exists within the Democrat Party. The the biggest name Democrats overwhelmingly, with very few exceptions, I mean, AOC is very recognizable in a media sense, but the most powerful Democrats are all very pro-Israel. And that's why, as this issue plays out with Joe Biden, Joe Biden is not going to lose Jewish support in America 
uh, you know, the support of Jewish voters over what he's doing here because we do have a bipartisan policy of, of very clear support for the state of Israel. It just, with Fetterman, it wasn't only what he said, but it was the clarity with which he said it, which is a reminder to everybody as well. Yeah, he may be improving over time. He, I'm sure he plans on, you know, running when his time comes at some years out, but running for reelection. And, uh, some of these Democrats, we, we make fun of them. We see them as, um, you know, completely out of their depth. Joe Biden is the single best example. Well, well, Kamala Harris also out of her depth. I mean, there's a lot. Joe Biden, though, is the one that I think is the most clearly not up for the job. And yet sometimes they can pull it together in a way that'll fool just enough voters or please just enough voters that they can get what they need. It reminds me, Biden is going to be speaking tonight at eight o'clock. And I'll tell you right now, everybody, it's going to be a speech dealing with with Israel. And he's going to say things that overwhelmingly a lot of people are going to view as what he needs to say. I mean, this is yeah. not a moment where I think you're going to see Biden say anything radical or, or blunder. Um, and obviously we're still waiting to see what goes on here with the, uh, with the ground war. There are all these efforts, um, underway to get humanitarian resources in. They've got, I think, 20 trucks right now, Clay, of, of, uh, humanity, you know, food, medicine, supplies that are on their way to Gaza going across the Rafa border in Egypt. Uh, Biden's been part of negotiating that. So trying to lessen the humanitarian crisis is a part of what the U.S. negotiation is going to be involved in. But, the ground campaign to destroy Hamas is what we're really still waiting for. A couple of other things that we're going to be talking about that are newsworthy. Sidney Powell, oh. former Trump attorney, she is pleading guilty, going to pay a fine, six years probation in the Atlanta uh, trial, where I believe they had, what, 19 criminal defendants. She's now going to testify against Trump, which uh, is going to increase the legal peril there. Uh, we'll talk about what that means. There's a Bloomberg poll out, Buck. That is incredibly favorable to Donald Trump. Uh, I'll share some of those data points with you. It's all swing states. And Trump, spoiler alert, according to this Bloomberg poll, again, I don't think Bloomberg is particularly biased towards Trump, is leading in virtually all of the swing states. Look, Trump could very well win this election. And, and I think Democrats are, are, um, in denial about that reality at some level, but I also think they're increasingly figuring that out. Um, that the numbers are indicating that it's going to be what we've said all along, which is very competitive. Uh, it's going to be very close, but it's going to be so close that the repeat of 2016, although they, it won't be quite like that because I don't think they'll say there's a 97%. Yeah, right. Biden winning, but the, uh, the shock, uh, of the day after of a Trump win and a Trump presidency part two is something that Democrats may very well have to deal with. Again, I know, assuming he is the nominee at this point, I don't I don't really see how barring some uh, exigent circumstance. It would it God would have to. I think it would have to be a health it, issue. Yeah, for Trump would, there would have to be something to be the nominee. There's honestly I don't see how this changes based on ground game in Iowa or anything else. And, and that's just me. And, you know, I think you feel the same way. That's looking into the future, which can always change. But for right now. Have we have we ever seen a Republican primary with somebody this far out at this stage? People have talked about, oh, Rudy Giuliani was really far ahead at one point, and you know, Fred Thompson had a moment, and Herman Cain. Yeah, but you know, they had a moment. They didn't have a forty to fifty-five point lead for basically the entirety of the primary leading up to Super Tuesday. Yeah, and I mean, here's the deal: uh, the first votes are going to happen in Iowa on January fifteenth. A lot of this is going to get shut down from Thanksgiving to Christmas to New Year's. What I mean by that is a lot of you out there are going to be going about your lives. You're going to be busy with family. You're going to be busy with kids. You're going to be busy with friends. And so the move has to happen in the next 30 days in order for somebody, I think, to really challenge Trump. And we haven't seen it happen at all. Now, we had Chris Christie on yesterday, and he said, I think Iowa, then New Hampshire, and by South Carolina, it will turn into Trump versus whoever the top candidate is, 1v1. I'm not sure that I buy that because I think there's a lot of people who will refuse to drop out on principle. For instance, the vague is not going anywhere. Well, and I, and I wonder, I mean, Mike Pence can barely afford to run a campaign right now. I don't think he's going to drop out. I think it's a sort of a personal 
anti-Trump campaign that he's running. I don't think he wants to drop out. And then Nikki Haley and DeSantis are battling it out so carefully to be the number two that I don't think either one of them wants to rule There, there was also a period where you could have made an argument, and I, I think that this that the DeSantis camp was doing this, where they weren't attacking Trump because they didn't want an attack on Trump to feel like an attack on Trump supporters. And that could have explained why there was very little anti-Trump anything stretching back to, what, June of this past yeah. year, May of this past year. Um, but now we're getting into go time. Yep. And the numbers haven't moved at all. So if you were really serious about trying to shake things up, you'd have to really go after Trump on a regular basis. And with the exception of DeSantis a little bit, none of the other candidates really are. And to me, that's just an indicator of they don't want to, ups- they don't want to upset the king in waiting. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. Also, there's no talk about Trump uh, being involved in the debates at all. None. Right. We're we're dealing with we got the Miami debate. We were talking to some guys from the RNC. They're going to have a debate in December. They're going to have a debate in January. They're going to have a debate in February. I don't think Trump's going to do any of those. And I think by South Carolina, potentially, we've got a nominee selected. Uh, so that's the trajectory where we're going. A couple of other things, Buck, that I wanted to mention. We're going to talk about eight percent mortgage rates, eight percent. I know a lot of you are feeling that. And this is ultimately the failure of Biden. I'm, I'm, you just, I'm, you I'm just took out a feel, I'm feeling that. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Rough. Man. Why do you guys think I got to work so hard on the radio show? It's tough out there. 8% mortgage rates are no fun. Look, I got something for you, though, to help. Support U.S.-funded resources in oil and gas assets. Phoenix Capital Group invests you to, uh, to in, invites you rather, <laughs> invites you to invest in the heart of America with our domestic energy corporate bonds. Phoenix Capital connects private investors like you with investments in tangible domestic energy assets. Look, I'll tell you, I'm an investor in the Phoenix Capital Group, so I've already taken the plunge with them, and so far it's been fantastic. Phoenix Capital Group offers yields of annual interest rates from 9 to 13%. Look, Phoenix Capital wants you to have a vote of confidence in the American dream and be a part of the energy backbone that built our nation. To learn more, download Phoenix Capital Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 13% APY. Download the Phoenix Capital Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Truth seeking, reality telling. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. We value the heroes from our military, law enforcement, firefighters, emergency medical professionals, and other government service personnel. So does an American company whose entire mission is built around serving this deserving group. GovX.com. 
If you've served our country in one of these types of jobs, go to GovX.com and join the community today. It's easy and totally free. GovX members get access to unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands that honor your service. Brands like Oakley, Vortex Optics, Yeti, Under Armour, and many more. You'll also save big on sports tickets, entertainment, and travel. GovX.com is a one-stop shop for everything you need on or off duty. GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. More than 8 million people are already saving every day through GovX. Visit GovX.com and use code BUCK in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Second hour of Clay and Buck kicks off right now. We're looking at the Israel-Hamas war, bringing you up to speed with all of the latest. Uh, there is an effort underway to get aid into Gaza. There's a, a massive humanitarian crisis unfolding there. The major Israeli uh, ground war against Hamas, which will occur in Gaza, has not yet kicked off, um, but it could happen any day now. There's a lot that's still going on here and, and unresolved. And hour by hour, the picture is is changing. Um, Joe Biden here. This is this is uh, on Air Force One, and here he is. This is cut three, talking about what his goals are by going to the region. Play it. When we took off, my goal was multifold, basically to get humanitarian aid into Gaza uh, and to uh, and get as many Americans out who wanted to get out, could get out, as possible. And uh, so we got a commitment, as you know, from the uh, from uh, the Israelis, including their unanimous vote of their war cabinet and the prime minister. And uh, the second thing was that uh, I wanted to make sure there was a vehicle, a mechanism, that this could happen quickly. You know, one part of this, Clay, that does not get um, much discussion or nearly enough discussion, I think, in in the uh, media about this is, one, the Americans who have already been killed, um, as well as the Americans and uh, other hostages currently being held by Hamas. It seems that there may be uh, part of the of the pause here in the major ground war could be related to negotiations around those hostages Specifically, it's likely that the Palestinians are moving them around uh, so that it becomes very difficult for a a uh, rapid response raid to free them. Uh, so they're likely moving some of them. We don't know that, but that's uh, in keeping with the practices of terrorist groups like this in the past. And we want to get some kind of resolution on this before, though, because once the war starts and buildings are being leveled and the missiles and the bullets are flying those hostages, the chance of getting them out safely seems like it, it diminishes dramatically. I don't understand why this isn't the number one story associated with Israel right now. And I was watching and I've been and I know it's it's tough. But if you are a parent. Can you imagine or a grandparent, but a parent in particular, can you imagine the 10 days of hell that you have been through? knowing nothing about where your kids are, where your babies might be. To me, I was very surprised that Biden didn't make the focus of his trip to Israel the immediate release and return of all hostages. And even yesterday, we're in D.C. right now, just up the street, Palestinian and Hamas protesters took over the Capitol demanding a ceasefire. I don't understand why the primary focus of everyone isn't these hostages. Because, Buck, as soon as Israel goes into Gaza, I think there's a very good chance that those hostages get killed. And, like, why did Biden not stand up and say directly into the cameras? Because there's talk that he's been meeting with Americans whose kids are being held hostage right now. We've got American citizens. We don't know how many, at least I haven't seen, but you know, 10 or more that are being held hostage by Hamas right now. How was his primary statement when he was in Israel not release these hostages immediately or we will rain down holy hell on you? And how is the focus of the ceasefire when 
all of these hostages are still there, no one seems to be talking about them. Yeah, think about back in the Jimmy Carter, and this is Buck was before you and I were around, but when Iran took Americans hostage in the Jimmy Carter administration, I've at least studied that historically. I know a lot of you listening to us right now live through it. It was an obsession of the American media to get those hostages back. Think about how much talk we had about Brittany Griner when Russia took her over. Think about how much talk there's been about, and I'm not justifying this in any way, but the reporter for the Wall Street Journal that Russia has taken in and refuses to release and charged with spying. Evan Grishkovich. Yes. yes. How is there not a similar obsession right now by American media on bring these hostages home? These are 100% innocent people, many of them young. I think I think you're leading into something here that is, is very important because it also goes to a lot of the mentality around how the media discusses this. It's it's very hard for uh, Western and particularly American media sources to play their moral relativity game and moral equivalency when there are Americans being held as hostages under threat of torture and murder by one side, Hamas, and another side that's ready to send in commandos to save them, get them medical care, and get them back to their families. That side is Israel. Yep. These are our people who are being held. These are Americans who are being held. There are Americans who have been killed, and it is only by Hamas that these horrible things have happened. And Israel stands on the side of trying to get us back any Americans in harm's way. So I, I think part of this is... There's not as, you know, you're seeing so much focus on the, you know, the humanitarian concerns, the humanitarian concerns in Gaza. And we've talked about it. And yes, that's Biden. This is part of the effort. But what about the fact that right now, Hamas, America is a non-combatant in this, at least officially. Hamas is holding some of our people and Hamas has killed some of our people. These are acts of war against the United States. Yes. So this is where it's... It's a, it's a different conversation even than what you have going on, uh, in Russia, Ukraine. We have our people in harm's way. Um, and I, I will say this Kamala Harris, this Kamala Harris, uh, soundbite, I wanted to play a few clay just because it, it is a reminder. Um, she manages to eat at a time when the best thing she could probably do is just to like say nothing and stay out of this. She manages to do this, uh, weak version of quasi-solidarity with the Palestinian cause. Play nine. As we have constantly made clear, our support for Israel's security is unwavering, and Israel has a right to defend itself from Hamas terrorists. And let us be clear, terrorism is never justified. And as I said yesterday, Israelis and Palestinians must have equal measures of security and prosperity. And I support the right of the Palestinian people to dignity, freedom, and self-determination. Now, if, if those those are just words, obviously, and if those words are to have any meaning, the Palestinian people will never have dignity, freedom, and self-determination while Hamas is their government, while a terrorist entity that is as uh, hateful, sadistic, and immoral as any other jihadist terror entity out there is their official government. Buck, 30, I think the number is 31. Staff can correct me if, if I'm wrong. I think it's 31 Americans that are, we now know were killed by Hamas. We, I have not seen the official number of how many Americans are being held hostage. But think about this coming out of that ridiculous Kamala Harris soundbite where she's basically trying to play both sides, right? Hey, we love Israel, but we also love Palestine. I know there's good and evil here. Think about this. How much more attention did the fake allegation of Israel blowing up a hospital get compared to the amount of attention that 200 hostages that are still being held by Hamas have gotten? And I would just go back again. I I think this is really interesting. We got a lot of media members out there that listen to this show. Think about the historical analogy when Iran took our people hostage in 1979, I think it was. And how much obsession there was with those American hostages. Those are grown adults 
who were in an embassy. I'm not saying that it wasn't serious. Some of you may have seen the movie Argo, uh, I think, which, which partly dealt with that, which is probably for young people the way that they're more likely to know about this. But it was an obsession to get those people home. And Jimmy Carter basically, basically gambled lost. his presidency That's on right. the ability to get them home. And because of the, you know, sandstorm and the uh, helicopters right. in the desert, it, it turned into a, into a disaster. Um, but Clay, to your point about the hostage holding, um, militaries don't hold hostages, right? Military yeah. will hold prisoners of war. These are kids. These are, th- these are children. Yes. This is what terrorist groups do, right? This is a different thing. This is not people that are detained and who are being afforded Geneva Convention protections or anything else who are combatants. They have seized women and children and are using the threat of their murder in order to get leverage against the other side. And just think, Buck, how often when we know a kid has been kidnapped in America, the American news media goes all in. I'm talking about stranger kidnappings, right? Because a lot of the the debate about kids is mom and dad are in a dispute. If you go look at uh, at when kids go missing, a lot of times it's a custody dispute. But we just had was it up in New York where the little girl was on a, a bicycle in a state park? I think it was New York State, maybe it was Pennsylvania, but she was on the uh, the bicycle. She got caught um, and uh, kidnapped, and they eventually managed to find her. Thank God. I think she's I think she's okay. But that story was everywhere. And think about how, I'm just just pointing this out, think about how our media covered that one escaped prisoner in Pennsylvania like it was an absolute necessity that that person be caught, and it's one person. Have we even heard detailed analysis of who from America, which American citizens are being held, how old they are, what their health status is, where is the American media to advocate for these American prisoners? I haven't even heard very many politicians talk about it. Well, this is where this is where it also goes to the moral clarity with which everyone should be able to see this moment in time. Only one side here, Hamas, intentionally goes out of its way, plots to and then celebrates the murdering of defenseless men women and children. Only one side in this conflict, Hamas, engages in the kidnapping of men, women, and children under the explicit threat of possible torture and murder of those individuals in order to gain leverage against the other side. This is not stuff that is hard for people to reason through and achieve some degree of moral clarity. And this is why when, you know, when Kamala Harris says, oh, I I stand with the Palestinian people's desire for dignity and freedom, um, well, in this case, that means that Hamas has got to go, and, and they're not going to go quietly, so the IDF is going to have to make them go. By the way, back to Joe Biden, and by the way, production staff says 30 people, Americans, that they know are dead. Let me just ask you this question. There are 13 Americans unaccounted for right now. Joe Biden went to Israel. Why didn't Joe Biden stand in front of the cameras and say, I'm not leaving Israel till the American citizens that Hamas is holding hostage right now are on the plane with me going back. I will say this. If Donald Trump were president of the United States, I think the level of, you know, mess with me and find out that yeah. he would have specifically for those Americans being held. Yes. Would be something that the uh, Palestinians would pay attention. Would, wouldn't Buck, I mean, just from basic humanity, Biden claims that he cares so much because he's lost a son. I can't imagine anything hardly worse than your kids being held hostage by Hamas terrorists and you having no idea where they are, how healthy they are, what they're being, what they're having done to them over the last 10 days. As a dad, I, I can't get past that. And I don't understand how Joe Biden could travel to Israel, who could do a full address. How does he not stare directly into the camera and say, Hamas, listen to me carefully. Every American citizen should be released immediately. And they are going to be on the plane going back with me when I go back to the United States. Joe Biden flew to Israel and then got back on Air Force One, turned his back on all the American hostages that are there. And I haven't heard hardly anybody point out that he did that. Shouldn't the number one goal of an American president who travels to Israel be to return with every hostage that Hamas has taken? And how is every American politician not demanding this too? I, I just, I, the more I look at it and the more I read about it, it is every parent's worst nightmare to think about a young kid being kidnapped. 
but a young kid being kidnapped by a terrorist organization? How are Americans not focused on getting our people home? I mean, there should be a clear message from Joe Biden that if anything happens to any Americans that are currently in custody, everyone in Hamas who has anything to do with any of it, we will hunt them down dead or alive. Yes. Why would, why would he not say that? I mean, I mean, this is, this is like basic stuff to me as, as the American president. Your job is to protect American citizens and also to send the message that you don't, gotta be careful. You don't screw with American lives. And he hasn't done it. He hasn't said it at all. What's going on? My pillow, look, uh, they've got a brand new line of my towels for you to try out. These new towels, more absorbent, softer than ever. Uh, that's because new towels are made with cotton they found to check all the boxes. They're perfect. It's called Shapier. And look, I might have just said that wrong. I'm the worst at pronouncing things, so you guys can all deluge me with what was the other thing per cow that I couldn't say right. They were telling me how to pronounce it. Everybody's all fired up. I think it's Shapier. Uh, Shapier. I'm telling you, it's great. Uh, I'm not telling you that I'm pronouncing it right, but I'm telling you it's great. Uh, you can get a $29.98 six-piece towel set for an amazing introductory sale price. You can also get the designer premium line, just 20 bucks more. No matter what set you decide on, 50% in savings. To find the offer, go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special square to check out the new MyPillow My Towel six-piece towel sets. Get 50% off in savings. Enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269. Again, MyPillow.com. Radio listener special square. 50% off. Clay and Buck is the code. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show here at 104.7 Freedom, D.C.'s Real News, Real Talk. We're just up the road from the Capitol. Joined now by Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. Appreciate you being Thank in you. studio with us Thank here, you Senator. And you legitimately, I think in the last hour or so, just attempted to have a resolution on the floor of the Senate condemning anti-Israel, pro-Hamas protests, which yep. are happening on college campuses. What happened? Well, the Democrats blocked it easy. I mean, they went to the floor and they said, oh, 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 no. You know, some of these groups, student groups, they were making legitimate points. So I had the language right in front of me, you know, the death to Jews, uh, the violence, we need to endorse violence. So I just held up and I said, well, well read to me yes. parts you think are legitimate. I'd like to hear it. And the response was, well, 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 I mean, I, I don't know, but, but you're, you, this is really smearing. I mean, we need to, they, they, these people have legitimate concerns. I just thought, this is the moral equivalency that's worse. When you say that we're going to celebrate killing Jews and yeah, we think the state of Israel ought to be eliminated, that's anti-Semitism. This isn't hard. Let's condemn it. You know, you're a free speech guy. I, I said, listen, they may have a right under yep. the First Amendment to say this stuff. That doesn't mean, though, that we have to say, oh, yeah, great, we love it. How do you think this this works out, though? You have some Democrats. We played even from Chuck Schumer before. We played from John Fetterman. The only yeah. time very, we've ever praised Fetterman yeah, in the yeah, history very, of the show. But he was right. He's right on Israel. Very yeah. strong and, you know, nothing really that I would edit in terms of what Schumer says on Israel, yeah. what, what Fetterman said on Israel. There, there are others as well on the Democrat side, they say that, and yet they never seem to call out the craziest stuff from within their own party on this issue. We know Democrats generally uh, expect a lot of unity within the party on messaging. On this one, though, it's like they allow the anti-Semitism caucus to do its thing, but they will stand forward as Democrat leadership and be pretty solid on Israel. And I think that's what today, what just happened on the floor of the Senate with my resolution, it exposes what's going on here. Because when you put them to it and you say, okay, okay, you say that you're pro-Israel, fine. But will you condemn this language from, frankly, leftist groups that are calling for Israel to be eliminated, for Jews to be killed? They won't do it. It's like, well, you know, oh, well, there's a lot of concerns here, a lot of legitimate concerns. What's legitimate about hoping that the Jewish people get killed? I mean, there's nothing legitimate about it. That, I think, really shows the, the problem that they have. Here's the other deal. I just noticed that I think it's like 70, 80 faculty members at Harvard now are writing to their president saying, you need to condemn the anti-Palestinian rhetoric that is coming. Yeah, so this is the left. The left, the true left, the grassroots, academic, radical left that drives their party, they are virulently anti Isn't it interesting, though, because the only real condemnations you'll hear, it's not that people condemn Palestinians, they condemn Hamas and all those who take part in Hamas actions. Yeah. On the other side, 
they condemn Israelis, they oh. condemn Jews. It's the, the whole the whole thing, right? It's, totally. it's the collective. Absolutely. You were a Supreme Court clerk. Yeah. You got a lot of background in the law. We were just talking about Sidney Powell, Atlanta. Pretend that you right now are defending Trump. Yeah. There's so many different moving parts here. You got the New York City charges. You got the Atlanta charges, Jan 6 charges, South Florida dock charges. How would you assess legally how some of those situations are going to play out? For instance, do you think that it's likely that there will be a resolution of those cases before the 2024 election? Just you have a lot of expertise here in the Supreme Court and in the legal process in general. How would you big picture analyze where we are and where you think we're going? Well, number one, it's clearly a coordinated strategy on the Democrats part to try and, and keep Trump in court and not campaigning. I mean, all of this is coordinated. Obviously, I mean, they've said that. I mean, it's obviously coordinated, which is unbelievable abuse of the legal system. Number two. I think from a legal constitutional First Amendment point of view, the Jan 6 case is an extraordinarily weak case because it's all about speech. It's all about saying Trump, Trump, there's no dispute really about the facts. Everything Trump did, he did out in public. You know, I mean, it's not as if Trump never leaves you in doubt. Yeah, right. He tells you. He went right out and said, yeah, I, I called the Secretary of State and I told him I thought I won and he should find some more votes. Alan Dershowitz, I thought, tellingly said, listen, when I, Dershowitz, defended Al Gore in 2000 and tried to get Gore to win that election, he said, we did the same thing. We said, we think Gore won. We went county by county where we thought we should have more votes, and we asked all of the people telling the votes there, please recount, yeah, because we think we have more votes, and we pressured him, he said, to get him to do it. And his comment was, that's totally legitimate. I mean, it's, it's the speech, we had a legitimate belief, so the idea that if Trump does it, that is somehow, that's a crime now? You may not like it, but that's a crime? I think that one is really, really weak on free speech grounds. And then, you know, my gosh, you lose track of all of them. I, I think the, the classified documents case, that just seems so trumped up and absurd to me. But if you're asking me on, on constitutional free speech grounds, I think the Jan 6 case, it's all about his speech. But that New York City case, I mean, that's open, oh, that's open that, and shut, that right? Is. That one where he, Very serious. 30, 30 <laughs> counts of, uh, of, a clerical error or something in and the payment. Charging a crime that I think has, has never been charged before. You know, they're trying to bootstrap state law with a, a which they still haven't really explained oh, very well, no. even how they're doing that. No, they haven't. That's another one where I just think purely on legal grounds. I don't even know how that goes to a jury. So you think Trump will be able to basically bulldoze through all these and get to the election? Well, I know what I, when I, my response to Clay, what I, what I mean to say is, is that I just think in terms of having these trials, we're looking at particularly those federal cases. These are big time, lengthy trials, a lot of arguments. I don't know how you get through all of those between I mean it's it's October now twenty twenty three. Yeah, right. They're not even proposing to start until next year. You're gonna get Oh, but yeah, so what I mean isn't isn't that Trump is gonna see them all through and win them all. It's just that this isn't really gonna stop him from doing what he's doing, running and all you know I, and it may even backfire on the Democrats oh, if they brought all backfire. this. Yeah, I think it'll backfire. I don't think it'll be resolved by next November. Do you think the Supreme Court will get involved at all? Or you again, you were a Supreme Court clerk, or do you think they're so concerned because it's Trump that even though there may be a legal argument very strong which i think there is yeah that they'll just try to sidestep it because three of them are trump appointees and they're worried about the institutional attack that might happen i think they won't want to get involved because they won't want to get drawn into it you know most supreme court justices are very sort of conflict averse as we've seen um but i have to say that you know it's going to be hard particularly on that jan 6 case because it is so speech-based yeah you know, I'm sure the Trump people will appeal that all the way up to the top. And, you know, if it gets to them um, and Trump has lost at the lower court, I, you know, I think they'd probably be pretty hard pressed not to take it. Yeah. You know, because it's I mean, it's an important precedent. Right. Right. And other cases involving presidents, Nixon, you know, have gone to the Supreme Court before. So, um, I, you know, I think that's possible. Can we you're a senator, you know, but. Congress next door, you know those guys too. Can we throw you in the middle of the food fight here and just tell us what are the Republicans doing? Now we're going to have a a speaker pro temp for a while because people, you know, won't even on the Republican side figure. It looks like the grand strategy was no strategy. Yeah, I'm 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 not a fan of of the pro temp thing. Listen, I'll just say I'm not a member of the House and never have been, so I don't know the House, and I I wouldn't tell them how to vote, but. As a as a senator, I would just say we need the House. Republicans have a majority in the House. We need it to function. The country needs it to function. We need it to do oversight on Biden. We need it to actually uh, stop the Biden agenda. And we need it to – this is the only part of the government where we have a chance to actually put something forward. The border, for instance. The Senate will never move a border bill. Never. We've got to have the House. So 
I just plead with my counterparts over there, you know, just choose somebody, please, and make it permanent, and and let's get back. How are we looking for the Senate in your mind for 24? Oh, should win it. If we if we can't win the Senate in 2024, then Republicans don't deserve to be in the majority ever again. I mean, we are we have a map where the Dems have twice as many seats that they have to defend as us, very favorable to us. We've got to go out there, though, senators, Senate Republicans, and make an argument and talk about what we're going to do. And I think last time around, this was a decision by our leadership, which is a huge mistake. It was, oh, let's go out and just say, we're not for anything. We're not going to talk about anything. We'll just say that Biden sucks. Well, everybody knows Biden sucks. But you got to go out and tell the voters, what are you going to do for them? And we didn't do that, and here we are. You just had a hearing, um, and I want to thank you for doing it. You held the NCAA president's feet to his fire. Uh, uh, over this ridiculousness of if a guy decides that he's a girl, they have to share locker rooms. Men are changing alongside of women. You're a sport, like you grew up a sports fan. Yeah. Would you have ever believed that the entire Democrat party would believe that a man who pretends to be a woman should be able to win a women's championship? And I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you saw this, Buck. Maxim's Hot 100. Remember that used to be a big deal, the hundred best looking women out there? I, I, I you do, might I do remember. Some of back you may be back when I was in. Some college. of you out there listening may have heard I, that. I had a friend who had it yeah, once. Yeah, yeah, let me yeah. see it once. They just named a man as one of the hundred oh, best looking women in America. Oh, and I just I, I look at that and I'm like, there weren't a hundred good looking women. So what's going on there? What what where how have we gotten here? And for people who didn't hear that conversation, what were you told? How did that happen? Well, here's what I said. I said to the NCAA president, Charlie Baker's his name now, I just said to him, Listen, you made Riley Gaines and a bunch of other female athletes have a man in their locker room. You didn't tell them beforehand, you didn't ask them. And you didn't get their consent. You didn't even try to get it, and you certainly didn't obtain their consent. What do you What do you say about that? Is that your policy? And he hemmed and hawed, and finally said, "Well, that's it's not policy." And then he said, "Well, he wasn't sure." Yeah. And I'm like, now, come on, this is not a stupid guy, by yeah. the way. It, as if he doesn't know, he knows. So he needs to come clean and say what it is. And here's what I would say, Clay, is that. He knows, and the rest of the NCAA know, how unbelievably stupid and wrong it sounds to say, yeah, biological men ought to be in women's locker rooms and the women should just have to take it. Nobody in their right mind thinks that's right. Yep. So, But they did it, and now they don't want to talk about it. They certainly don't want to apologize for it. And so here we are. To your question about my Democrat colleagues, yeah, I mean, not a one of them, not a one of them has stood up and said, this is wrong, this is crazy. And my question is, what happened to women's rights wait, in wait, Title IX? But do, do they? Do you think they know that it's wrong and crazy, and they're just cowards, or do you think they've actually bought this nonsense? Fifty-fifty. I think. Okay. So. I think a number of them actually believe it. I think they are absolutely a, a, a trans woman is a woman, a hundred percent. There's no difference, you know. But I think others are like, no, this is nuts. But they just feel they can't speak out because they will get jammed by their radical base who really controls them more and more it's a tiny segment of their party and yet that's who they that's who they kowtow to last question for you i think um you're a huge kansas city chiefs yeah oh yeah where's this going buck everybody out there listening has seen this travis kelsey taylor swift relationship (laughs) your team has won two super bowls as you sit here are you concerned that uh that that Taylor Swift could be the Yoko Ono of the Kansas City Chiefs dynasty, bringing down everything. And what's it like to be a Chiefs fan sitting wanting to watch your favorite team and they just keep showing this pop star on television all day long? Do you think it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if your wife is a Taylor Swift fan. I have no idea. Does it make her more likely to watch as a fan? Or are you just like, all I care about is the game itself? Well, I will, I'm in the latter category. Yeah. But I will say that my wife and I were, were sitting on the couch watching the Kansas City Chiefs there on Thursday night football last week. And I think Taylor was at that game. You're right. My wife was with me. Yeah. And we're sitting there and she said at one point, I had looked down for a minute. And she said, Oh, look, there's Taylor Swift. <laughs> and you know, Oh, this is, you know, exciting. And I was like, Oh, again. <laughs> Um, so, uh, listen, I, I will just say I am for whatever gets us another Super Bowl, Clay. So I, I think we need to get back to Super Bowl, win it again. I think we can do it. And uh, I'm for whatever gets us there. Well, today Clay came in with a pumpkin spice latte and I actually had a Nutella latte. So <laughs> I don't know that we can well, judge masculinity <laughs> on any level we, right we, now. We might as well just start playing Taylor Swift as our theme song <laughs> at this point. Like we might as well just go for it. But Senator Hawley, great to uh, see you here live in DC with us. Thanks for coming to hang out. Thanks for having me.
Since 9-11, Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country, our communities, all of us. Heroes like 9-11 first responder FDNY Lieutenant Joseph Maiello. He answered the call to help others on America's darkest day. Years later, he suffered a fatal heart attack in the line of duty, leaving behind his wife and two kids. When heroes like Maiello lose their lives in the line of duty, severely injured as well, Tunnel to Towers there to help. Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the Maiello family home families financial burden during their darkest hours america's heroes and their families need your help now more than ever join tunnel to towers on its mission to do good in their honor more than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to tunnel to towers goes to its programs donate 11 dollars a month at t2t.org that's t the number two t Need a break from politics? A little comedy to counter the craziness? So do we. The Sunday Hang. A weekend podcast to lighten things up a bit. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. As someone who served our country in the intelligence community, I appreciate companies that back our nation's service community. One company that does it best is GovX. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. GovX offers unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands, sports and entertainment tickets, travel deals, the list goes on. GovX.com is a one-stop shop for the things you love. GovX also donates a portion of every single order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. When you shop on GovX.com, your orders make a meaningful impact. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com, that's GovX.com, and join a community of more than 8.5 million patriots and pros. It's fast, easy, and free to join. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. On this program, Clay and I are here to help you cut through the noise, the ulterior motives, to uncover the truths that no one else is going to tell you. That's what our colleague Mark Chaikin does. But for the U.S. stock market, Mark worked on Wall Street for 50 years. Across those decades, he invented three new indices for the Nasdaq and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Mark says the majority of Americans are... Look, I'm a 2 way guy. Second Amendment, all about it. I appreciate the sport of shooting. I appreciate marksmanship. I appreciate the right to bear arms and to defend oneself. I also respect the craftsmanship of a well-made firearm at a phenomenal price. My first career out of college put me in parts of the world where, you know what, I had to have a firearm to protect myself. Years later, I keep myself trained and in shape with my firearms. Going to the gun range with my brothers on the weekend, that's a regular event for us. It's a great time to come together, and it helps keep our skills sharp. So if you're a firearms enthusiast like me, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best-kept secret. Bear Creek Arsenal. They offer a wide range of premium calibers at a fraction of what the competition does. How does Bear Creek Arsenal do it? There's no middleman fees. That's how. I own one of their AR-15s. It is an incredible firearm. They know what they're doing. Discover Bear Creek Arsenal. Go online to bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. That's bearcreekarsenal.com slash B-U-C-K. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code for 10% off your first order. You're going to be amazed at the incredible quality of their firearms and the unbeatable price. BearCreekArsenal.com slash Buck. Use the name Buck to get that 10% off your first order. Could a third-party candidate be the difference in 2024? And could that mean the difference as to whether or not we have a democracy anymore? Um, Meaning, will Trump win? Will he not win? Or... How is this all going to play out? We wanted to look into some of this a little bit because here's the thing. Generally, 30, uh, sorry, 30 party candidates, third party candidates fly uh, under the radar, but they can have a major impact. The one that people think of as having the biggest impact in the past was when Ross Perot ran. Um, and I still to this day must admit that I, when I think of Ross Perot, Dana Carvey, impersonating Ross Perot was what comes into my mind. Like, I can't actually... That was Ross when Perot. SNL was, was in there. was in its absolute sweet They were spot. great. Yeah. Um, Dana Carvey, I think, still one of the most talented and, and kind of underrated, actually, uh, most talented comedians of his era. So, uh, why are we talking about this then? Well, because it could matter a whole heck of a lot. According to 
uh, recent polling, uh, an NBC News poll in just the last month or so, almost 15% of registered voters right now say that they would they would vote for a third party or independent candidate if one was on the ballot. Almost 15% of registered voters. Now, 15% doesn't necessarily sound like a huge number until you realize this election, based on all the data you can see, is going to come down to probably 2 or 3% At of, most. of registered voters. Right. So the swing in that possible 15% is really substantial um we could start there are there are two candidates who uh we can get into a little bit here one is uh, cornell west who is a professor at princeton and uh somebody who he just got a maximum campaign donation clay uh, this was yesterday from republican mega donor harlan crow let's talk about west for a second he's a he's a a, a far left guy a self-proclaimed Non-Marxist socialist. That's interesting. Um, he is somebody who I would like to see certainly on every Democrat, you know, on every ballot rather in states where it's going to be close between Democrats and Republicans to the point where I think Republicans would be well suited to help. Yeah. Uh, Professor West. I would donate to him if I, if, if I, if you're listening to us right now. Uh, and you want the Republican to win. I think you want Cornell West on as many ballots in as many states as possible. And I was hitting on the Zogby poll earlier in the four way race. Trump wins outright. Uh, the majority of the vote, uh, for, well, not the majority of the vote. Nobody gets the majority, but he gets the, uh, the, the, the majority of the overall, uh, tally 43 to 42. RFK Jr. gets 13. Cornell West gets four, and I believe we have audio now of RFK Jr. Now, this is from July, Buck, uh, of him saying that he would support reparations to a certain degree, uh, which I think it's important for this audience to hear because we've had him on. I would have him on again. I think it's important for you guys to hear from a variety of different candidates. And RFK Jr. is right on COVID, but, man, is he wrong on reparations. Listen to this. I would be against cash. If there was no other if there was no other issue, I would be against cash payment reparations. But the word reparation means repair. And, you know, I grew up in a Jim Crow, and I saw this was not just the, the injury did not end with slavery. The injury and the deliberate suppression, the institutionalization of poverty in black neighborhoods, is uh, systematic. It's systemic, and it it uh, and it continues today in a million different ways. Mm. And we need to rebuild the, the uh, black communities. And and so that you know, my approach to doing that would be to do it in a way that I think is going to be most effective, which is what we did at Bedside. We created what we call it. Community Development Corporation there, and it is now the model for hundreds of community development corporations around the country because it works. And that it, it's, it's less likely to contribute to the polarization between blacks and whites because it benefits everybody. Everybody, even uh, people who are Trumpers, who I see all the time because I represent them in lawsuits against big polluters, if you talk about business loans to black communities, everybody's for it. Everybody wants business to work and to flourish. And so for me, that would be my approach. Now, there are a lot of problems with this. Um, not, not specifically even what he's saying, just the notion of reparations. Once you start doing that, anybody should understand you're never going to, the, the, the calls for it will never stop. There's never going to be enough. You can't actually write a check of any kind, so to speak, to make up for the evils of slavery. And you, you can't, um, do, you can't do these things without also inherently, um, advantaging people today who were not disadvantaged by these historical, uh, systems and, uh, also disadvantaging people today who had nothing to do with those historical systems. H- how would you actually determine who gets these reparations to what degree um what is the what are the qualifying factors they've started to look into some of this stuff in california and i'll just point out what happened in california is gavin newsom kept saying yeah you know let's just like look at reparations man i'm 
I'm all about justice. I'm all about it. And then it came down to this is going to cost like more than the entire budget of the state of California. I forget what the number was. It was some crazy number. And he's like, well, I mean, I don't like justice that much. <laughs> well, and what's crazy about California in particular, Buck, is the state of California never had slavery. So the entire history of the state of California, slavery was never legal. And I think the population is, only, I think only six or seven percent of California is black. So you're not even talking about a state that has a large black population and what they proposed in reparations would have bankrupted the state of California. Eight hundred billion dollars is what the initial uh, California group here that was it was one point two million dollars per black resident. Eight hundred billion dollars, according to the hill dot com here. That's that's a lot of money for a state. I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And also, to your point, you end up in a super racist place when you try to figure out how to pay reparations. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Well, what happens if you have a black father and a white mother? Correct. No, I mean, seriously. No, no. You get half. half. An Asian dad and a a black uh, mom or, you know, go down the list. And also, I mean, what happens when your family was uh, not in the United States at a time of slavery, which is a huge percentage of people. Who have come in from Nigeria, for instance. Or, you know, a Romanian immigrant who's been trying to, like, save up for his family so he can get that first starter home. He's going to be told, you know what? Portion of your taxes is going to have to go to this massive bill for reparations for something that you had absolutely, absolutely nothing to do with. And wasn't affirmative action ostensibly reparations? And isn't the Great Society programs and all of these massive government institutions of spending, of welfare, wasn't that all supposed to have the function of bringing, you know, eliminating poverty in the black community? And in fact, the programs of Lyndon Johnson and the continuation of the expansion and continuity, you just look at the numbers. You look at black family formation in 19, say, the 1950s, and then you look at it today, and the rates of out-of-wedlock births have absolutely skyrocketed. The uh, the levels of state dependence have absolutely skyrocketed. These programs of the government coming in and giving people money to make things better because of historical injustice have overwhelmingly been failures, and now there's enough distance uh, between a lot of these events of the past that people just say, this is outrageously unfair. What, why, why am I being penalized for something that I, I wasn't even alive during? Yeah. I mean, the data reflects Thomas Sowell's done a great job, uh, breaking all this down that from the time slavery ended in 1865 to 1960, black families were increasing their overall success in the country at an exponential rate. And then as soon as the Great Society started, to your point, Buck, you went from most black kids growing up in two-parent households where a mom and a dad were present and there was a support structure, which I understand there's lots of great single parents out there listening to us right now, doesn't mean that your kids are going to struggle individually. But, I mean, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama were both uh, ended up president of the United States from one-parent households. But as a group... Children do infinitely better in two-parent households than they do in one-parent households. And the kids who do the worst in one-parent households, boys, for whatever reason, they can't figure out what the data reflects. Maybe boys need a father figure more than girls do in single-parent households. But boys are the biggest deficient performers when it comes to one-parent households. So what is the data now? I think 80% or more of all black kids are born into single-parent households right now. And that is one of the primary ways to ensure that as a group, again, not on an individual level, a lot of great single parents out there, but on a group, two-parent household success rates are infinitely higher. And there's this very important government principle of once you spend money on something to achieve a result and you don't get that result, you know what the government wants? More money. Yeah. Every time. It's not like, oh, there would be some reparations bill and that would be the end of it. There would be some form of reparations, whether it's funding for business grants or whatever it is that, you know, RFK Jr. was talking about in specifics. It would not have the intended effect. It would not close the gap. And then they would say, we need more money. Yeah. Guaranteed. No, no doubt. 
Uh, look, if Florida in December sounds appealing, put Tampa on your calendar December 1st through the 3rd. That's when the Invest Wealth Summit's happening with Buck Sexton himself, along with Dutch Hall, Tucker Carlson, Lisa Booth, many others. Dutch, the co-founder and CEO of Rad Diversified, president of the Alternative Investment Association. If you want to learn how to create financial freedom, security for your future, then you need to be at this event, the Invest Wealth Summit. Get your tickets online at investwealthsummit.com today. Learn how to diversify your portfolio without relying solely on Wall Street. Explore alternative investments. Gain access to unique opportunities and hidden gems. Uncover untapped potential in real estate startups and innovative technologies. Learn how to reduce your tax burden and so much more. Come to Tampa, Dutch, Buck, Tucker, Lisa Booth, many more. Expand your investment horizons and secure your financial future with your seat at investwealthsummit.com today. Need a break from politics? A little comedy to counter the craziness? So do we. The Sunday Hang. A weekend podcast to lighten things up a bit. Find it in the Clay and Buck podcast feed on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It's already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.